My guest today is a general partner and co-founder of Visible Hands VC, a pre-seed venture capital firm that supports underrepresented talent building technology startups. Please welcome Yasmin Cruz Farine. Yasmin, how's it going? Great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Great, great. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. So let's jump right into this, Jasmine. What do you do? I am a general partner and a co-founder of a venture capital firm. We are Visible Hands VC. We are a pre-seed fellowship and a fund. The fellowship experience, we do company building with founders so that they can find their co-founder and validate their idea. So we come in at day zero, in some cases pre-incorporation. And then most of the investment capital uh, for the founders comes from our venture capital fund. Okay. Okay. And the process that you're talking about is a 14-week process, correct? 14-week virtual first fellowship. Yes, this is awesome. So you have these founders come in and from day one, there's an investment in them, right? There's like a $25,000 investment into these founders from day one. Correct. Mm. Because they're for valid financial reasons, people often either stay in their current role or don't take a chance on their idea. Right, right. Remain on the sidelines. This is an amazing concept. And then they have a chance to present their company to the board or your committee and they have a chance to get an additional funding of around 150 or 175,000 is that correct correct okay. up to 175,000 for a follow-on investment 14 weeks later so can you bring us back and how did this all start this is such a great concept <laughs> yeah so it came together because i had been working with one of my co-founders for about five years on various projects and he and one of his friends from college. So they've been working together on ideas for many years. Mm. They started thinking about how to address the VC funding gap. And they started this in about October of 2019. And the VC funding gap, you know, I always say, (laughs) when you think of a gap, you think of kind of, oh, you know, kind of mind the gap when you're in London, like, you know, the small space. But actually, it's it's a chasm. It's like the Grand Canyon. I mean, it's 98% to non-diverse founders, 2% to diverse founders and, and female founders. And that's not really a gap. That could take generations to close. My co-founders were thinking about, okay, so how do we come in? We are seeing a lot of VC firms that are just starting, who are also thinking about investing from a racial or gender lens, but there were series A companies. So how do you get from day zero to series A? So series A is you have to be able to pass substantial milestones and you have to have already received a good amount of capital. So my co-founders were thinking about How do we start something at day zero and provide them their earliest critical funding? 
And it's also really interesting at that space. There's a lot of company building to do. Right. And that's Justin's background. He had worked at Global Accelerators. Mm. And my other co-founder, Daniel, he had worked at a growth equity firm. And he helped raise a $3 billion fund. Oh, wow. And he saw what was happening at the institutional level. So the two of them started working on this in October 2019. And by March of 2020, they asked me to help them come in and raise the fund alongside them. Mm. And what I had seen, I had worked at a firm that works with family office clients. And family offices are often the first round of financing for both founders and for fund managers because they don't have as many of the burdens that an investment committee might bring or some of the rigidity. It's family wealth. So technically they should be able to take more risks. And I saw the portfolios of kind of this group. And I also saw that they actually weren't taking risk and they weren't investing in diverse founders. So when my co-founders asked me to help them, I knew the problem from my perspective. And that's when we came together and we started raising the fund. Nice. Okay, great. Wow. So all these millionaires that have been produced from all these tech IPOs Mm -hmm. and acquisitions, and you're saying only 2% or if that are what you consider underrepresented population. Well, that's a really good distinction. I'm glad you asked that. Mm. So the stats on exits and IPOs are even worse than the stats that I gave you. Okay, that's so the, <laughs> the stats that I gave you were the amount of money that venture capitalists spend on investing in companies. Okay. That's the VC funding gap. Now, the amount of companies who went public yes. last year year who had were we're just going to count women founders it was four Mm. out of 445 something in that neighborhood wow so it's one percent wow one so remember we had two percent going on on the total capital that's invested in founding teams that have women or people of color the number of companies that IPO'd, it's even worse. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're doing this. Now with this program, approximately how many founders do you think are going to be in the program? Between 30 and 40. Okay. All right. And is it once a year that you do it? Annual cohort, correct. Okay. Because we work with our founders for nine months after the 14 14- week program to fundraise with them and introduce them to customers. So we spent a full year with the founders. So, all right. So you you gave the background on this, but what about you? How'd you get involved in venture capitalism? Is this something that you've been interested in at a young age? Did you have mentors? How'd you get here? So my career started out in public equities, not in the alternative space. And it was really important that I was grounded in an investment process And that analytical framework is something that I've carried with me in other sectors, in other arenas. Mm. I've also worked in philanthropy and community investment strategy. So instead of investing in the stock market, which was the beginning of my career, 
that time I helped manage a seven hundred million dollar fund coming straight out of college uh, with one other person. And after the Great Recession, the track record for that fund was pretty much destroyed. And I transitioned to community investment strategy. And from there, I brought an analytical approach to deploying philanthropic dollars. And that was a very different size portfolio that came down to a $5 million cash portfolio and about $20 million all in. And part of what I experienced there was that the size of the problems didn't match the size of the grants and the money we were deploying. From there, I worked at the family office firm and went back to investments. So I've had a cross-sector experience throughout my career. And then my very last role was to help raise about $5 million for Governor Deval Patrick for various political endeavors. And that's pretty much kind of a winding road of what brought me to this point. I would say the threads are capital raising or deploying capital or invest. Yeah. That's great. And and straight out of college, you were able to get these jobs. So did you have mentors at a young age that kind of teach you the ropes and help you and kind of guide you? I'm pretty greedy when it comes to mentors. I I say, you know, why have a, a mentor when you can have an advisory board? And I love to to spend time with different people who are in different stages of their lives in different arenas. And based on whatever I'm trying to solve for, I connect with the person who that's their arena. Right. I Across all of them, they understand my North Star. They advocate for me. Some of them are more sponsors than mentors right. that I keep it really real with. <laughs> but I've definitely been able to have such a varied career because relationships really matter to me. Mm. Oh, that's great. All right. Okay. So it's pre-seed investment fund. Love what you're doing. Love the concept. So now can you talk about what a typical day for you looks like being the general partner and co-founder? Right now I'm living in the selection process. So right now my life looks like reading the applications, deliberating with my team, meeting with the chairs of the selection advisory committee, making sure that they are on the same page as us in terms of the decision-making framework that we're going to use when we're bringing in external decision-making. So things like that, that's kind of a cyclical part of my job. But the non-cyclical part of my job is connecting with investors in venture capital called limited partners, LPs. So having regular updates with my investors, fundraising, building relationships. Even if there's a funder who's investing, who's probably not going to invest in this fund, helping to build a relationship for the future funds, which would be a much bigger sized fund, and they would write a much bigger check, which means they don't want to meet me when I want to raise. They want to meet me now. So spending time thinking ahead, thinking many years ahead. And in that case, also doing some press where appropriate, 
and meeting with founders and spending spending time meeting with the people whose dreams and companies we're going to help build. Okay, great. Now, when you're looking through the applications, what are you looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. We've thought a lot about this and we invest exclusively in women and people of color in our accelerator. I like to say it's where Howard University meets Wellesley College is our vision for our, for our accelerator and the space that we are creating. And we didn't want to have the same inertia that has probably left the people that we are looking to invest in mm. on the sidelines. We've wanted to rewrite the code, if you will. We're working with Boston University to help eliminate bias. We are minimizing what you might call middle-class defaults or uh, majority defaults or, or masculine defaults. Mm. And that's throughout the application process. The application really is focused on the individual and not not really focused on their idea. It does ask for that information, but it really is centered in how a person thinks. All that to say, we are looking for an actionable insight. If there's a reason why you are the one to be the founder of this company, we're looking for resilience and resource magnetism. We chose resilience and resource magnetism magnetism over something like leadership, right? Because when we say leadership, we can easily think of the person who's the president of a club, something like that, where having resources might have led you to that role more naturally than others. Uh, see, you know, confidence, right. you know, confidence might present differently in someone who has had a different background. Right. So we chose labels and key traits that we think will help us come to conclusions that widen the aperture of who's supposed to be a tech founder. We're here to disrupt that. And then lastly, we care about whether or not you're community oriented and have a growth mindset. Otherwise, if you just want to build a company and you just want the check, then try to raise money separately. Right. This is about building a cohort and a safe space. Mm -hmm. So those are the three categories of the, the traits that we're looking for in an application. Love it. All right. Very thoughtful about the player plan and your, and the business model. And I, I love that you're here to disrupt it. <laughs> now, what about your hours? What do they look like? Right <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's just say if I don't work during the weekend, it's pretty tough. Okay. And let's just say that I'm willing to do, to work until midnight. I got you. To got do you. whatever it takes. Right. I'm also in the my third trimester of pregnancy. So oh, okay. all of this is going to be disrupted really, really soon. By July, a lot of this will change. Wow. Okay. All right. And congrats on that. Thank you. <laughs> now, you're definitely wearing several hats. So can you talk about just the skills and characteristics that are important to be successful in what you do? 
Yeah, I don't think I am looking to wear the traditional VC hat. I think we're looking to partner with founders in a way that sets up their ability to continue to be owners and incentivized and really centered in and around them as the customer for us. So I would say strong sense of empathy. Also, founders are looking for the right partner. So understanding your sector expertise, understanding sector momentum. We're not here to know all of the answers. We're here to ask the right questions and help our founders think. So connecting them to the right resources when there is a need for expertise, I think is also important. So having a heavy partnership framework. There's also a good amount of being an individual learner and contributor in venture capital. To some degree, it's a team sport, but it's a lot of individual sprints. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and pushing yourself where no one else is really around to do that. You are as good as you push yourself to be. I will say that our team is able to run through brick walls together (laughs) and get a lot done very quickly. And we execute at a really high level, but there is a, a good amount of pushing things forward as an individual. So I strive to be... I would say down to earth. I think a lot of people think about VCs and they think of this high flying, you know, (laughs) kind of culture. But again, similarly, we are building this firm because I'm not sure that there would be a seat for me at some other firms. We're kind of the Shirley Chisholm attitude of, you know, if you're not going to make a seat at the table, we're going to build a firm ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're going to create a culture that is defined by us for founders that look like us and providing meaningful funding. So I always kind of pause when people ask what is required because my playbook probably won't get you a role in some of the more institutional firms. Got it. Got it. Like you said, you're making your own seat at the table. I love that. Now, one thing you mentioned was the connections. And yeah, in addition to the $25,000 upfront investment that these founders get and the 14 weeks of help that you guys are doing to help them build these companies and the possibility of an extra $150,000 additional funding, they get all the connections to the investors and the customers and you have this is huge platform. So that's one huge additional bonus too. Yeah. And I would say, I often think about what we do in three buckets. There's the sourcing the founders that is first and foremost, right? And being in in the deal flow, being in the right networks, knowing the ecosystem builders, talking to other VCs who are further upstream, who may come across founders who might be too early for them, making sure that we're all in conversation. So that's the sourcing component. The second component is raising the capital, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, I always say that we are successful if our founders have the resources and have successive rounds of resources. You know, in many contexts, people 
I think founders, especially underrepresented founders, have been over-mentored and under-resourced. So the making sure that we have, you know, know where the money resides is a huge part of, of I would say, the second category. And then the third category is about creating a community around this whole process where you have access to additional resources mm -hmm. and that's the platform. So we have 600 venture partners and advisors, 80% are women and people of color, director level and above so that there's a strong support system to lean on. So if you're thinking about a role in venture capital, you may want to think about your skill set. Are you really interested in company building and understanding KPI and traction and minimal viable products and the unit economics and business models and go-to-market strategy? If that's what you're most interested in, then you're in the category one. If you're like me and you love talking to people, meeting people, bringing resources together, you love the challenge of your next fundraising goal, <laughs> then you're probably in the second bucket as a capital raiser first. Like you could fill your day with meetings, meeting investors instead of filling your day with meetings with the founders. <laughs> and then the third bucket is if you love building a sense of community, the people who are the people who love to connect and love to create fireside chats with founders and programming. There's a whole role for community building and partnerships. So that's kind of the third bucket. Got it. Great breakdown. Thanks for breaking that down. All right. Now, can you talk about what you love about what you do? Wow. <laughs> I love that. Every day, I couldn't imagine doing anything different. And I feel like I have more purpose than should be granted to someone in one lifetime. Mm. I really do. It is such a privilege to wake up and not ever wonder what time the day is going to end. Or it could be Tuesday every day and you're eager to continue to build on whatever it is you were building on before. And, and you did ask about my day. And for the most part, every day is very different, meeting very different people. So all of that brings me joy and I'm in the position of honoring and bringing other voices into conversations and creating the ability to build uh, where there otherwise would not have been an ability to build. So I feel incredibly grateful. Got it. Nice, nice. And now what about on the flip side, though? I know you mentioned one thing was the hours that you work, but what type of challenges are out there for you or what keeps you up at night? Yeah, I think I'm constantly towing the line with how this system really needs to be disruptive and has not really created opportunity or access and talking about it from almost playing offense about why this therefore creates a market opportunity. Like if you can identify raw talent that otherwise would not be identified, your valuation and your investment probably is at a discount, right? And so being first check-in comes with many advantages from an economic perspective. So I think that's the challenge. Um, a lot of people in my seat and in this work, we spend a lot of time in the problem 
because it's so pervasive and we keep taking steps back and the numbers are worsening. But I think the challenge that we all have to embrace is how to talk and speak to this from the perspective of why more people should view this as an investment opportunity. Right. Right. No, definitely. I keep seeing articles talking about companies that have women executives and how they're outperforming other companies. Yeah, I mean, that research is based on public companies and is 20 years old and hasn't changed (laughs) the dynamic. And Kauffman Foundation has released information focused on this asset class of venture capital and and private equity. Mm -hmm. And they've had the same multiples and returns as the public equity, which shows that diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams. Right. And inclusion improves innovation. Yeah. What we also know is that knowledge doesn't always change behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Having different ideas, diverse people and diverse ideas. Now, the challenges, the hours, what do you do for fun? What are your hobbies? That's that's tough because my hobbies have been I love going to museums and I love traveling and I love chasing sunset. I'm a big beach and sunset person. Um, and in COVID, all of that, you know, it's slightly compromised, but shifting. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, I've been involved in Boston with the Museum of Fine Arts for over nice. a decade. And at one point in time, I was a weekend guide and a docent. Um, So wherever I go, I love to see collections, definitely a visual arts person. Nice. All right. Great. Great city for that. So, all right. Now, can you talk about some of your most memorable moments in your career that stick out to you? Yeah. um, In terms of memorable moments, I can reflect on some of the lessons I've learned and especially in, in building teams where I think I, I definitely share with my team kind of how I'm spending my time and what I'm weighing and how I'm making decisions and, and openly articulate that. I've had a few roles where it wasn't until after I left that I started getting the feedback. Wow, we had no idea mm. how you built that plane while you were flying it. And we had no idea you were how you came up with your decision making framework. And we still use it. We had no idea there were so many strategic considerations and and miss your perspective. So I now share that openly with my team so that it's not something that comes when it's too late. Now, you know, I'm part owner of my firm, so that <laughs> it's a little bit different construct, but I still do it. I would say that's one of the biggest lessons. I mean, the memorable stuff are, I would say, having the honor of working with Governor Patrick. And mm, yeah. there were certainly moments that if I were to share them, it's so unrelatable and running through airport with him meeting leaders at the highest level and industry titans and all of his peers being in close contact with all of them and representing him. All of that it was incredibly memorable. I was in a four-person meeting with Secretary Clinton, you know, 
that's something that isn't probably your average day in the office or some of the behind the scenes with him certainly I will cherish them forever and then just watching the leader that he is and the messenger that he is and he's exceptional at communicating very complex things and making them simple and he was really good at asking me to be clearer in my communication and (laughs) and challenging me in wonderful ways that I hopefully have grown from so I will say those are some of the memorable moments there's certainly, you know, accolades that come, but I think you do the work centered in the why and those moments where people celebrate you. That's great. It comes with, especially when you're either giving away money or investing, it kind of puts you in a certain position where people want to highlight you. But I certainly try to spend most of my mental capacity trying to make really smart investment decisions and learn and challenge myself. Nice. Got it. Good. Great. Now, do you have any advice for people trying to get into this space, trying to trying to be uh, new entrepreneurs and trying to get into the tech space? Yeah, I think what people are looking for is just what I said, which is really being connected to your North Star. Why are you the founder to birth this? People talk a lot about product market fit. We think a lot about founder market fit because your business plan is going to shift. If you asked me a year ago, tell me about the table stakes of visible hands. I could tell you that and it remains true. Am I surprised with some of what has played out in terms of sourcing? Yes. Have we learned on how great we are in terms of visually presenting on the pitch deck side and pitch angles? We did over 200 fundraising meetings. We learned a lot. But in all of that, our North Star is the same. And the same goes for when you're founding a company. You have to really know and almost be immovable in why you're the one to do this. Mm -hmm. And because you're going to have to evangelize, right? And win talent, win partners, win customers, win investors. And and people need to connect to all of that in a really genuine and authentic way. Right, right. Good. Great advice. Now, Yasmin, we're at the end of this interview. This has been great. I want to head over to this quick hitter session. We're going to ask you questions for fun, just for people to get okay. to know you a little bit better. But sure. before we do that, though, is there anything additional that you would like to talk about or any questions you might have felt like I missed asking you? I I don't. I appreciated the conversation we had. I don't think I left out anything <laughs> really big. So not at all. Great, great. Okay, let's head over there then. So first question, what's your favorite sports team? Patriots. Okay. Figured you're going to say that. All right. <laughs> you had some really good years, right? Yeah, we do, We have. <laughs> yeah. It's questionable right now. <laughs> I know the draft just happened. So there are a lot of shake in the trees between now and, uh, you know, when we're really back in, in, in the first game. So right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too early to tell. Right. <laughs> All right. Favorite movie or show? Oh, favorite movie is Love Jones. Mm. 
Yeah, classic right there. Classic. Favorite musical artist or group? My favorite artist is Sade. Uh, right now, I'm heavy into Sir. Oh, My poor husband is like, another day, another, <laughs> another day you're cooking dinner listening to Sir. <laughs> well, that's nice. Uh, favorite vacation spot? Martha's Vineyard. Mm, all right. And favorite food or drink? My favorite food would be, oh, that's hard. I love all pastas. Mm. There isn't a pasta I haven't met and loved. (laughs) Uh, So it's hard for me to pick. Uh, Favorite drink. I, again, I'm pregnant, so I'm not really partaking in some of my favorite beverages. But I lately... Oh, well, I can do a virgin mojito, but I, right, I yes. also love when there's some rum <laughs> <laughs> in the mojito, too. Got it. All right, mojito. All right. So, yeah, it's been, it's been great, great uh, interviewing. You learned a lot from this. It's a very amazing concept you have. There's thousands of these new millionaires from these tech IPOs and acquisitions each year, and less than 1% of them being women, Black, Hispanic, Native American. It has to change. And I'm glad that you're doing this. And it is just going to be so impactful. And just good luck to you. And congrats on all that you've done so far. Yeah, Yeah, you really hit on our vision. In 2019, there were 10,000 new millionaires in Silicon Valley. And in the next 10 years, we want to create 10,000 new millionaires that look exactly the way we invest, which Mm -hmm. is diverse so that's our vision generational wealth building yes 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 well so is there any way that people can reach out to you if they have any comments or questions yeah if you go to the website which is www.visiblehands.vc you will be able to reach out to any of us on our team all right great well thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and have a good one Thank you for having me, Rodolfo. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.